All right, last week we started this new series we're calling Scent as a reminder, and we're going we're to learn and grow together in this uh, embracing this reality that every follower of Jesus is sent into the, the little world around us to share the gospel, the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done. So we talked last week about what the gospel is, and hopefully uh, you caught that. If you didn't catch that, you can uh, go to YouTube and you can catch that message again, and you can hear a little summary of what the gospel is and, and how we can share that together. And today we're just going to look at uh, some different ways that we kind of think about what it looks like to go into the world with this good news. And uh, we're going to see from scripture how someone uh, who met Jesus took the good news of Jesus to people that she cared about. So, um, but we're going to start with, um, with some metaphors here in just a minute. But I want to tell you a story <clears throat> about a friend of mine um, who, uh, when I first met him, it was right out here in the lobby, and uh, he came in to, to worship on a Sunday morning uh, with tears in his eyes. And I, 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 didn't really, I didn't know his name. I didn't really know anything about him. I pulled him aside, and I said, hey, man, what's, what's going on? Are you okay? And uh, he began to tell me this, uh, this story, a very sad, uh, heartbreaking story. His wife uh, left him and, uh, because of some of choices that he had made, and, and he was just He was just broken. So we began to talk about um, how, how God was present in his situation, how God wanted to meet him there and, and lead him forward. We began to, began to pray and study together. And, and uh, shortly after that, he was, he was baptized into Christ right here in this church family. Um, and he, he began to live differently. That's what happens when you turn your life over to Jesus. You, you live differently. And people at his workplace began to notice that he was different. And at first, it kind of freaked them out. And he, he said that, you know, people would kind of like distance themselves a little bit because they weren't sure what to make of, of this new person uh, in their workplace. But over time, they began to see that the differences in him were very positive. The way he was treating people, um, the way he was going about his work was, was all very positive. So uh, people began to ask questions like, what happened? And he was so happy to tell them, I turned my life over to Jesus and nothing will ever be the same. And I love that story because I, I, I see it happen over and over. This is not an isolated event. It happens frequently with people who turn their lives over to Christ. They change and they get to tell people what that change is all about. And the reality is uh, these people he began to have an impact on in his workplace. I could not have gone in there and preached a sermon at his workplace that would have introduced Jesus to those people. That, that was never gonna work. That was not the plan. The plan was God changed this one man and sent him back into his workplace to share the good news about Jesus with his coworkers. That, that's how it worked. I, I love being reminded that it's not, it's not people who stand on stages, who, who really carry the gospel into the world around us. It's, it's just it's people who go to work and go to school and go to, go to play golf and whatever it is that you go to do, that, those are the people that God speaks through, works through to communicate his love to the world. So uh, in scripture, we see four uh, pretty obvious metaphors for what it looks like to take the gospel to the world, the good news about Jesus to the world. So I wanna go over these four metaphors with you and I invite you to kind of embrace one of the, like to, to Picture one of these as you. Which one kind of resonates with you the most? So the first one we find is the generous farmer. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew and Luke that we call the parable of the sower. 
And you can go to Luke chapter eight and read that. And Jesus talks about a man who goes out and scatters seed. Um, And the seed falls, some of it falls on hard ground, some of it falls on rocky ground, some of it falls on thorny ground, some of it falls on fertile soil. And Jesus talks about how the the seed does different things depending on where it lands. And and in the fertile soil, it, it, man, it really produces a hundred times what was sown. And he tells his disciples later that the seed is the word of God. Essentially, the seed is the good news that the kingdom is here. And, and the job of the farmer, and this, this us in this story, is to scatter the seed. And what, what I love about this story is the farmer doesn't farm like you and I probably would think about farming. I mean, we, we would just go to the fertile soil, right? Because doesn't it seem like scattering seed on rocks is a waste of time? I mean, if you were trying to grow corn, you wouldn't go out here and, and, and try to plant corn on the parking lot, would you? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But Jesus tells his disciples that the type of soil we're talking about is a human heart. And he says, you don't know the human heart. Like you can't see what's in someone's heart. You don't know if they're rocky soil or thorny ground or fertile soil. You don't know. And so you just scatter that seed everywhere. You just throw it everywhere. You just take the word of God with you everywhere because you have no idea what kind of soil it's gonna fall on. And I love that image of the farmer just, just throwing this seed all over the place, just, just seemingly like with abandon because it's gonna find some fertile soil somewhere. And when it does, it's gonna, it's gonna take root and it's gonna produce an incredible harvest. And we can't know the hearts of the people that God sends us to. We don't, we don't know what's going on there. So we just... We just take the word of God everywhere. That's one metaphor that I think is really helpful uh, for us. The generous farmer. We, we're just very generous with the gospel and, and just scatter it everywhere. Uh, the next metaphor that Jesus gives us is the patient fisher person, angler. Angler, is that how, that's right, isn't it? Okay, okay. thank you. Somebody knows. Uh, the, the patient angler. So in Matthew chapter four, verse 19, Jesus is calling uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John to come and be his disciples. And here's how Jesus says that to them, Matthew four nineteen. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Is it for your life, you've been fishers of fish. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn you into something different. I'm gonna make you fishers of people. And this metaphor, this image is not like we think of fishing today or an angler today is, is you've got a rod and reel and some bait and you, you cast it out and you're trying to catch like a fish. No, for Peter and Andrew and James and John, they used nets and they would throw this huge net out um, over, in, over the lake and uh, just hope that the, something would swim into the net and they would pull it in and then they would have fish. But the reality was a lot of times they would, they would throw this net out and they'd pull it in and there would be nothing in it or sticks in it or something else uh, useless in it. And so they would clean it out and they would throw it out again and they would just do this over and over and over again until they had enough fish to bring back to market and sell to support their family. I I love this metaphor for what it means for us to take the gospel into the world. It's this recasting, casting a wide net and casting it over and over and over again because we don't know what's gonna swim into the net, right? Um, this is what our church does with a lot of our events. Sometimes our events are this casting of a net, right? The seminar we're doing on Saturday is sort of a casting of a net, and we hope people come and they, they hear something that sparks their interest and, and draws them to Jesus. And even something like the sock hop, we're doing a sock hop in two weeks from today. 
I don't know what that is, but we're doing it because we're casting a net so that maybe somebody comes and something happens. They, they have an encounter with somebody, they see something or they hear something that points them to Jesus. This is what we're doing with a lot of our events. And you can do this in your own life with the way that you speak to people. So sometimes, uh, I know many of you do this when you, you go to a restaurant or you, you have an encounter with somebody, a, a stranger, and you, you say, thank you, God bless you, right? That, that's, it. that's in a very simple sense, that's, that's casting a net. Because you don't know how that's going to impact the person that you're speaking to. Some of you take it a step farther and you, you ask people if you can pray for them or if there's anything going on. This is casting a net and we just do it over and over and over again. And we don't, we don't give up and get discouraged when we pull the net in and it just sticks because that's part of the job. That's just the way it goes sometimes. We just, we clean it out and we throw that net out again. I love that metaphor of the patient, persistent fisher person. The third image comes from the Apostle Paul, and it's what we would call the confident ambassador, the confident ambassador. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is sharing with this uh, church family about what new life in Christ means. In verse 17, he says, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And then he begins to tell them what that means, what this new life is all about. And in verse 20, Paul says this, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. Um, I have a friend uh, who, his name's Chad Moore, who's a foreign service officer. He's an ambassador currently to the country of Zambia is where he's stationed now. And, and Chad and I have talked about what that's like. And he says, he says, well, there's the job. You go into an office and you work with people from this country to, to try to, you know, build good relations with, between this country and the U.S. But then there's the rest of your life. And the rest of your life is your, your kids are going to school and you're going to the grocery store and, and you're going you know, out to a tourist place. And everywhere you go, people are looking at you to learn what the United States is like. So he said, I represent the United States everywhere I go, at the bank, at the gas station, everywhere I go, people are looking at me to understand what the United States is like. He said, it's a big responsibility, it's a heavy burden. And I think, isn't that exactly what it's like to be a Jesus follower? Everywhere we go, people are looking at us to see what it's like to be a Jesus follower. I mean, that's a, that's a great opportunity, but isn't that kind of a heavy burden sometimes? Isn't it a little like, well, I hope no one saw me today because today I didn't give them a clear picture of what it's like to be a Jesus follower, except that Jesus followers have bad days and we make mistakes and we mess up. But we're ambassadors for Christ in the sense that we represent the kingdom of God in everything that we do. I love that metaphor as well. The final metaphor is, uh, comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, and that is the royal priest or priestess, royal priest. A priest. This is what Peter says uh, to uh, the believers that he's writing to. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I love that picture of the priest. The priest uh, in, in ancient times was a mediator between God and people. If people wanted to offer a prayer or an offering to God, they would go to the priest. They, they would, the priest would mediate that for them. And if God then wanted to bless the people, he did that through the priest. And the priest blessed people on behalf of God. And now Peter is saying, hey, we, this, that whole system, and now every believer in Jesus is a priest or priestess, every single one. We don't have just like this certain class or this certain tribe. It's all of us 
are mediating for other people on behalf of God. And so we get this chance to bless people on behalf of God. I love this prayer that we put up at the end of our services. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Every week we've been putting this up. But this is a prayer of blessing. This is a priestly prayer that we, I think this is great, a great prayer to pray over people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. That is a priestly prayer of blessing. And we have this incredible opportunity as we go out into the world to, on behalf of God, bless the people around us because God loves and cares about people. So those are the four metaphors. Um, so which, which one of those do, do you identify with most? Which one kind of connected with you, clicked with you, makes you feel like, okay, I understand. Like that, that's what it looks like for me to go out into the world with the good news about Jesus. And maybe embrace that, maybe shoot, talk about that over lunch with some friends or at your next microchurch gathering. But what I want us to do next is look at how a specific person who encounters Jesus, takes the good news of Jesus to the people that she cares about. This is from John chapter four. And this person is, uh, we would call her the woman at the well, right? Have you maybe heard that story? You've heard the woman at the well. Jesus and his disciples are passing through Samaria very intentionally on purpose. A lot of Jews would go around Samaria because they had uh, such a low view of Samaritans that they, they didn't even wanna go through their country. But Jesus wants to go straight through. Uh, he has a high view of all people created in the image of God. So, so he goes through, they stop at this well and the disciples say, it's, we gotta get some food. We're gonna go into town. Jesus says, I'll just hang out here at the well. And while he's waiting there, a woman comes along to draw water and Jesus begins a conversation with her while the disciples are in town. So let's, let's look at the um, part of the part of this conversation. This is from John 4, 10 through 14. If you see anything on the screen that's underlined, that's your part. I invite you to read that aloud. Jesus answered her. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. So Jesus begins to share with this woman the good news, a woman he shouldn't even be speaking to according to the customs of his day. And he begins to share with her this good news. He says, look, I understand physical thirst. Physical thirst is something our body is telling us you need something and you don't have enough of it. You need to go get more water because you don't have enough for a healthy body. And Jesus points to another kind of thirst in her, a spiritual thirst, a thirst for a different kind of life, a kind of life Jesus calls eternal life. Jesus says, You're, just like your body is thirsty for water because it tells you you you." There's something that you need that you don't have. Your spirit thirsts for this eternal kind of life. And, and there's something in you telling you that you're thirsty, that you don't have enough. And I've got good news for you. There's someone here who can help with that spiritual thirst. I can give you eternal life. This is good news for her. And so uh, while, while they're having this conversation, the disciples come back. They're like, what is happening? Jesus is talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. This can't be good. Um, but then she is gonna respond to this news. Jesus ends his conversation with her by telling her in very clear terms, in a way that he really doesn't do with anyone else in the New Testament, that he is the Messiah. He tells her that. 
very plainly. And this is her response. Uh, Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So she, she goes back. I, I don't see any indication that Jesus told her to go back. She just went. She didn't have to be sent. She just went because she had an encounter with someone who changed her life forever. So she went. She went straight back to her town where it's, it's likely she had a, at least a little bit of a scary reputation, okay? Because she had had five husbands, and the way that you can have five husbands and then be, continue moving on is either they all divorced her, which the men had a right to do, or they all died. Either way, this kind of puts a mark on her that makes her a little bit scared. She might not fit in totally well with her town, but she goes with this incredible news. I think I found the Messiah. Now, my question is, what were the disciples doing in that town? Didn't the disciples go to that town to buy food? Why didn't they tell the town, hey, Jesus is right outside your town at the well. You guys should come out and meet him and listen to him talk. He's amazing. You, you should come and hear this. He's an incredible rabbi. You should come and meet him and listen to him talk. Why didn't the disciples bring the town out? Well, who knows? Maybe they did. I mean, we're all speculating here, right? So maybe they did tell the people and the people were like, we don't know you. You guys are Jews. We, we're not, we don't believe, we're not interested in what you have to say. Or maybe the disciples were still holding on to this cultural view that the Samaritans were second-class citizens and they didn't think they were worthy of the message of Jesus. But for whatever reason, it's not the disciples, the ones that Jesus called in his training who have this influence with the town. It's this Samaritan woman who's had five husbands, who goes back and she tells them and they come out and they meet Jesus. And and the whole town, it sounds like, is converted. Jesus ends up staying for a couple days and teaching with them there. Just an incredible story. (coughs) Excuse me. I, I love this picture of this woman who just meets Jesus and, I mean, she didn't have any formal training. How much of the gospel did she hear? She heard that Jesus can offer her an eternal kind of life. She heard that he is the Messiah. She didn't hear this whole story that we went through last week of, you know, God created the world to be beautiful and humans rebelled against him and God redeemed the world through Jesus. She, Jesus had not yet died for her sins and rose from the dead. What did she know? Very little. She spent half a day with Jesus and it was enough for her to go and share with other people. So I think we get kind of caught up in this idea. I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know enough of the Bible. I couldn't tell you the whole gospel story. Whatever you know about Jesus, if it's true, it's enough. Whatever you know about Jesus, if it's true, it's enough for you to share with somebody and to tell them, you've got to meet this man. I met this man. He knows everything about me. He offered me living water, this eternal kind of life. I think he might be what we're looking for. That's our job. That's what we've been sent to do. And, 
And what I hope that we're not doing is looking over our shoulder for some professional Christian to come along and share the gospel with the people that we care about, right? About five years ago, uh, a man came into my office um, and said, I need some help. I think um, I'm worried about my marriage. I don't, I don't know if we're gonna make it. And that terrifies me. And I, I'm, I, whatever it takes to fix that, I wanna do it. So we, we began to talk and, and pray. And, um, you know, we, we talked about Jesus-centered, what a Jesus-centered marriage would look like. And he, he really got on board with that. And I said, well, for you to have a Jesus-centered marriage, you have to be a Jesus-centered person. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm on board. We studied more, prayed more. And um, he turned his life over to Jesus. And I asked him, like, why did you come in here and talk to me? Because we were strangers the first time he came in. And he said, well, my, my best friend last year came to you after his wife left him, broken. And whatever happened to him, I want it to happen to me. He said, I asked him, he said he gave his life to Jesus. I didn't really know what that meant, but he said, go talk to Adam. I think he can help you. And so he came and we talked and became a Christ follower. I, I didn't even know this person. I could not have knocked on his door and said, I have some good news for you. That would not have worked. But his best friend, whose life was changed by Jesus, was able to share this good news. I have, I have received eternal life through Jesus. And I, I want you to have it. I want you to know it. And now, the, the, both of these guys don't need me at all. <laughs> both of these guys are leading other people to Jesus without me because they, they can study scripture and pray with people and point them to the true Jesus. If we're looking over our shoulder for some professional Christian to come along and do the work God has sent you to do, I don't know that that's gonna work. Ideally, you know, maybe, but I don't think that's God's plan. I think God's intent is to send you to the people in your life, not me, because they're not the people in my life. They're the people in your life. I believe God has sent you. So we wanna continue to, to try to embrace this reality that you have been sent to one, sent to one. I know it's, it's hard to think about like all the people, there's a lot of people out there that need Jesus, but let's just start with one. What if you're just sent to one? What if there's one person in your life and God has sent you and you're gonna be the best chance they have of getting to know the real Jesus and getting to know the eternal life that Jesus has to offer them? So it's a big responsibility. It's an incredible privilege it's an awesome journey to be on. So we wanna invite you to think through it in these terms, um, that the, your one is someone that you know personally, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's not a friend of a friend of a friend or your cousin's roommate, or this is somebody you know personally. It's somebody who is local to you, so they don't, they don't uh, you know, live in California or you know, South Bend or whatever. They live here locally. And <clears throat> that this is someone you will arrange your schedule to spend time with you're gonna arrange your schedule to spend time with. So you're not gonna rely on chance encounters and I hope I bump into them at the store. I hope I bump into them at the game. You're going to make plans to spend time with them. That's, that's your one. And so I, I wanna invite you and challenge you and encourage you to embrace this reality that you have been sent to one. And who is that? Is there a name that comes to mind? Is there, is there a person? Is there a face that you think maybe maybe I'm this person's best chance 
at knowing the real Jesus. Is that terrifying a little bit? Maybe, probably. But keep in mind, the woman at the well, what, she spent a half a day with Jesus. How much did she know? Less than you do, probably. But it was enough because it was true. And she took it to the people she cared about. And so can you. So we just want to invite you to embrace this reality that, that God has sent you to one. If Jesus has changed your life, you know enough. Don't, don't look over your shoulder and wait for somebody else. Stop praying that God would send somebody into this person's life. Say, God, send me. We want to invite you to do that. We're going to sing this song that was introduced last week uh, together. Uh, and then we'll, we're going to have a time of prayer before we close and dismiss. So I want to invite you to stand as we prepare to sing and <clears throat> invite you to open your heart and maybe open your hands up to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you uh, about where God is sending you.